You may be seated in heavenly places tonight. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited to share what the Lord's put in my heart. And you know, sometimes when the Lord just wakes you up and He gives you something in, the, in season, when you get a word in season, it's, it's incredible. There's just nothing better than a word that the Lord gives you in its time and in its season. Amen. Amen. May it bring liberty to the captives. Amen. May the prison doors be open. Amen. So whatever happens tonight, I just pray that this word would begin to touch you. For some of you, it will, uh, it will speak to you in a certain aspect or a certain area. And for others, it will speak in another. You see, everybody's so unique. And when God speaks, there's always something He has for you. There's always something He has for you. And tonight, we've come to prepare the soil of our hearts because we recognize and we realize that the word of God is incredibly, incredibly powerful. But the limitation of that word is, our, is the soil of our hearts. So every time, whenever I'm, I'm preparing my heart, whenever you come to, a, to, a, to, a, to a, a service, whenever you get yourself in the gathering, whenever you prepare yourself to go, you need to make sure that your heart's prepared. Because the enemy will, enemy will come and what he will do is he'll begin to try and attack your heart so that in the meeting you cannot focus. In the meeting you cannot receive. To him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Many people were in the room but they did not hear. So tonight I pray that what gets imparted by the Spirit isn't just something that falls on deaf ears, isn't just something that falls on fallow ground. When the Bible says, break the fallow ground, in other words, plow the ground so that it is prepared for the seed that is to fall. So really tonight what I'm asking you to do is to begin to prepare your heart so that that which you need to receive by the Spirit will be able to take root in your heart. You see, some, when, when the sower sows the word, guess what happens? Some's fallen on, on hard ground, on rocky ground. Some's fallen amidst the, the, the thorns. Some has fallen and the cares of this world has come to choke out the seed of the word. and has come to take and rob you of what the Lord has tried to impart and implant in you. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 28 verse 9, it says, Save your people. How many of us need God's salvation? Amen. Amen. Everybody in the room knows how important it is for us to have God's salvation. So the psalmist says, save your people and bless your inheritance. Who is, who's God's people? Can I, can I, can I just get a, a vehement yes in the room? Can I get a vehement amen in the room? Can I get something that, that I want to recognize that the people in the room are God's people? Amen. amen. So save your people and bless your inheritance. We are God's people, but we are also His inheritance. It says, be their shepherd. Who's the good shepherd? If you weren't here on Sunday, maybe you just need a bit of a, a waking up. But I wish we recorded that. But God is our shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. And we recognize that He's been put there as our shepherd because He's the great shepherd. And carry them forever. God wants to save us. God wants to bless us. And God wants to shepherd us and carry us. Amen salvation is of the Lord he's come to save us and then what happens is even as he blesses us he becomes blessed to me it's so incredible that we are God's inheritance so every time when I when I speak to believers when I speak to the people of faith I begin to ask them listen you know what's in your heart and they'll say hey I'm just trusting the Lord for more I really need God just to, to just begin to do things. I need breakthrough. I need God to do this. You know, Paul went to the third heaven. Lord, take me to the fourth. It's funny because there is no fourth. <laughs> but, but this kind of, of sense of God, I want another encounter. I need more. I need to go. I need to grow. I need something to happen. But the most interesting part about it is 
that even as much as we trust God for what He has imparted to us, what He has done for us, we also want to give Him that which He deserves. It's giving the Lamb. It's giving the Lamb that was slain, that gave His life, that gave it all. He was scourged, bruised, battered, beaten. The stripes on His back, the spear in His side, the thorns in His head, the bruises. They put a, a covering over His head and they began to punch it. Prophesy who hit you. And they did all of that. They tried to put shame on him. They tried to put, put, you know, they just tried to make him feel as if, you know, who are you? His identity got challenged so that you could have an identity tonight. Amen. He was shamed so that you didn't have to carry shame tonight. So let's begin to say, Lord, the sacrifice that the Lamb made for me. I want to live a life that is so worthy. I want to live a life that is so honoring of the sacrifice you made. Amen? Amen. So that is the positioning of our heart. So Father, I want to position my heart to be able to say, Father, the inheritance that you receive, if it is determined by me, let it be great. Amen? And I'm going to share with you, I want to show you in Scripture what that looks like. Because many times when we think about inheritance, there's even some Scriptures that we misquote because we assume that that inheritance is positioned for us. But even as I read in the Psalms, in Psalm 28, it says, bless your inheritance, save your people and bless your inheritance. When God blesses you, there's, there's, it's a return for Him. There's a return for Him. When God chose you, there's a return for Him. Do not let, God, let God's investment run into a negative. Amen. Let it increase. Who wants to put money into Metropolitan or into Sunlam or into Momentum? And at the end of it, they say, sorry, we know you put in three million, but we, we don't have anything for you. No, you are looking for a return on investment. You are looking for interest. You are looking for something that where they say, hey, you put in three million rand, we're giving you back nine. Thank you for entrusting your resources with us. So when the Father entrusts His resources to you, what is He getting back? When the Father wants to bless you, what is He getting back? When the Father brings salvation, what is He getting back? When the Father says, I'm your shepherd, what is He getting back? When the Father says, I will carry you forever, what is He getting back? Amen. It's been a while since I preached, so I'm enjoying this tonight. I even told my wife, listen, I'm going to stand. I know I wanted to sit tonight, but I think I need to stand. (laughs) Let me share some facts with you concerning inheritance. The first point you must understand is that every inheritance has a different value. Every inheritance has a different value. (laughs) Who here received an inheritance sometime in their life? From some family member. You received an inheritance. You've got an inheritance. And if we look at the, the three people that said, hey, I received an inheritance. Each and every one of them would have received a different value. A different sum total. A different item. Something. Something sentimental. Something's really valuable. Amen. Property. Cars. Businesses. You could get different things as an inheritance. The value is determined by the person who gives it. Amen? Amen? So what happens now is the value of that inheritance is different. So when the father says to you, I want to give you an inheritance, there's a value placed on it. The person that is giving the inheritance, if the person is Bill Gates, you are smiling. Because you know it's not going to be a small inheritance because the person who owns 
so much. When he says, I'm going to give to you, guess what? You know what you can expect based on the person. So if I come and I say to you and Bill Gates, you're going to choose Bill Gates. If I say, do you want my inheritance or do you want his? Guys, choose him. (laughs) When When it comes to material things, I know that. You know, he's not as good looking or as... <laughs> but, but, you know, when, it, when, when you just look at it, what he's able to do for you, the doors he's able to open, the relationships, the connections across the world, there's an inheritance that he has that you will say, hey, there's something that's incredibly valuable. So when the father says, I have an inheritance for you, you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's going to be good. The inheritance is more than heaven. The promised land was an inheritance. The inheritance is more than a land. There, is certain, there will be certain aspects of inheritance that you can receive in this life. And then there are certain aspects of inheritance that you will not even taste in this life. But it is coming in the age to come. Somebody say amen. amen. So there's certain things you can take a hold of. The Israelites could possess an inheritance on the earth. They could possess an inheritance in this time, in this age, in this life. But there were certain things that they could not fully partake of. There are certain things. You are seated in heavenly places. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. In Christ. Now. But there are certain things you have not yet fully received. You can only get it in the age to come. It's just how it is. Amen. That's why there's still still sometimes pain in your body. Because there's certain things. There will never be pain in your body again when you step into the next age. You may still be crying today and God holds every tear of yours in a bottle, but there will come a time in the next age where there will be no more tears. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are certain things that you will possess that you, 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 you can only dream of now, but you will get it. It is still your inheritance, but you have not received it fully yet. But there are certain things on the earth you must possess. And the key that you must realize is, even though the promised land was promised to Israel, right? Not everybody possessed. Even though it was an inheritance, an inheritance means when your name is there as the beneficiary, it's been bequeathed to you. Guess what? You will get it. But even though it was theirs, their name was written on the dotted line. They didn't possess. They did not take a hold of the inheritance in this lifetime, in this age. You can go through life as a believer, blood washed, speaking in tongues. You can pray in the Holy Spirit for hours and still not possess the inheritance that the Father has laid up for you in this life. In other words, you need to step into obedience to be able to possess what God has for you. So because they took a journey, they were in front of the river. They got uh, in front of of this beautiful place. And uh, the Bible says, God said to them, send spies into the land. And then Moses separated a a, a leader from each tribe. So 12 came and they had to go. But they came back with the wrong report. Don't let your mouth destroy your inheritance. And an entire generation that was supposed to take possession of what was theirs could not. So what happened now is that the inheritance was theirs. Their name was on the dotted line. God says, I'm giving you a land flowing with milk and honey. But because of your unbelief. You cannot possess. You cannot take a hold of. You know that when God sent them in and and God told Moses and instructed him to send some to go and spy the land. It was never to go and see if they were capable of possessing the land. Because it was not for their ability. It was in the God in whom they trusted. 
So if it's God that needs to give you something, then stop looking at yourself because what we do is we look at our inability and we begin to put that and that will destroy your faith. Because when you look at your inability, you will, you will say, I'm not able. Did you see the giants? Did you see? Did you see the size of the fruit? It's like, how am I even going to eat that when a grape is the size of a watermelon? It's, it's like, it's even, the, even, even what is supposed to be good overwhelms me. And now I get to the point where I cannot possess because I'm looking to myself instead of looking to my father. When you look to the Father, you begin to see His strength. When you look to the Father, you begin to see His ability. When you look to the Father, you begin to see His resources. And you begin to recognize and realize that He is able. And as long as He's with you, you go under His banner. When you go under His banner, you're not fighting for your name's sake. You're fighting for His. And you will never let His name fall to the ground. Amen? Amen. Amen. Every inheritance... Has a different value. So now the key is that the value of the inheritance is determined by the person that left it. I want to tell you tonight that the inheritance that the father has left for you. That he is about to give you. That is positioned for you. If you just, if you just position your heart to receive. If you position your heart to receive. It is yours. Inheritance, here's another key. Inheritance is not only material in nature, it is also genetic. Many times when we think about the inheritance that we have in the spirit, when we think about the inheritance that we have as as the saints of God, when we think about the inheritance that we have as those who are God's chosen, as those who are God's people, we often think about it only of the material aspect of inheritance because in the natural, when I impart something to the next generation, we call that a heritage, we call that a legacy. We often think about what I've given them of substance. But there are certain things that you pass on to your children. There are certain things you pass on to your family. There are certain things you pass on to the next generation. There are certain things you can pass on to communities, to cities. Some people affect even nations. They leave a heritage, a legacy, an inheritance to nations. Some people, their sphere of influence is not that wide, but they leave an inheritance to communities. Some people, you know, even if you can at least leave an inheritance to your home, there's something that is not necessarily material that you, that, you, that you always give, but you can also give something that is spiritual, it is genetic, it's in your DNA that you impart to others. What are you imparting that is not necessarily a, 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 a physical resource that I can count and see and touch and taste? But what are you imparting that is on the inside that when you are done with somebody, they pray better. When you are done with somebody, they have more of the word on the inside of them. When you are done with somebody, their faith level increases. So what we see is when God as father created Adam, guess what he did? The Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 26, in the image of God and in the likeness of God, he made man. Now that word image if you look at it in Genesis 1.26, is the word Tzalem. Tzalem. Now, Tzalem says, this is the meaning of Tzalem. It's an outline or representation of an original as a shadow is the outline of the original. So if, for example, I hold this cup to the light, what do you see? You see the shadow reflecting, but this is the original. So when God made man, he said, I am the substance and Adam will be the shadow. Okay, so stay with me. So if I lift this cup, the shadow is lifted. If I drop the cup, the shadow drops. 
The shadow flows in perfect obedience to the substance. Okay? So, so track with me, Tzalem. So now, if the, anything I do as the substance will be reflected in the shadow. So when God made Adam in, in the image and likeness of himself, this is why Jesus prayed, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he pray that prayer? Because he's saying, Father, you are the substance. We are the shadow. Whatever you do, let it be repeated or reflected on the earth. Because we are representation, a tzalem, of the Father. That's why whenever we talk about heaven, we always position it above and the earth below. The earth is the Lord's what? Footstool below. Are you hearing me? So whenever we think about it like that, the substance is always higher and the shadow is below. So everything the Father does, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the Father moves his, his, his hand, guess what happens on the earth? The hand moves. When the Father does something, when we are in his will, we will reflect the, the substance as we are the shadow. When you take your place, Tzalem begins to happen. This is what begins to happen. The image of the substance begins to be formed in the shadow. So our, everything that we have to do is begin to work with God. When, when he moves, we move. Stop saying, I don't hear God. And the reason why you must stop saying that is because you are trusting more in your ability to hear him than his ability to speak. When you know that God can speak and he can speak loud and clear, guess what begins to happen to your heart? You begin to rest in Father. I know that you are the one who will order my steps. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my pathway. Now, that's not only the written word, but it's also the rhema word. It's the word that comes to you when you're there and you don't know which way to turn. And God just begins to settle your heart with peace. And he says, go left. He begins to settle your heart with peace. Father, the situation feels bigger than me. He says, go right. He says, don't sign that contract. That's not for you. There's a better one coming. Because this one's going to hold you into bondage. And then you don't have the freedom to accept the, the one that I really have for you. So then he begins to speak. But you need to know that he speaks to you because you don't rely on your inability to hear. You begin to say, I'm a sheep and, my, and his sheep hear his voice. Mm -hmm. So the word now begins to take priority over how you feel. Sometimes what do we do? We say, I don't feel like God is speaking. So what do we do? We just begin to say, no man, I don't hear God. Let me run to a, to a prophet. Let me run to this one or that one. Now the prophetic is important in the earth. But God wants relationship with man. There's no longer necessary. <laughs> listen, I'm, listen, I'm part of the fivefold ministry, so I will, never, I will never devalue the fivefold ministry. But what I'm saying is there's times when you need to know how to, to just pray for yourself. Yeah. There's times when you need to know how to go and, and, and get to the altar for yourself. Because the fivefold ministry's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Not so that the saints run to the fivefold ministry so that the fivefold ministry gets elevated and empowered. It's, it's basically just, it's... it's, it's um, it's like a puffing up. We're actually equipping you. So when I come with prophetic grace, I want to impart prophetic grace so that you can prophesy better. That's why Paul told Timothy, do the work of what? An evangelist. Because he's imparting evangelistic grace so that you can evangelize better. Because an evangelist can only go so far, but you as a minister in the workplace can evangelize when you are equipped. So when the fivefold ministry does their job, you are better at, at the prophetic. You are better at being a pastor. Or, or at least, let me not say being a pastor, because then we think of it in terms of title. Don't think of it in terms of title. Think about it in terms of function. So don't, don't look for a title to be called. What some people do is they wait for the title to fulfill the function. 
fulfill the function, then automatically we will recognize you by your title. So if you're prophetic, guess what? I begin to see the prophetic on you and I begin to call it out because I'll say, hey, there's something prophetic there. I don't have to wait until you are called prophet to now begin to recognize what's on you. Amen. So don't look for title flow in the function. If it is for you, you won't have to strive for it. If it is, if it is yours, it will just flow. Amen. Doesn't mean you don't have to work at it. Doesn't mean you don't have to become a better communicator. Doesn't mean you can just rely on, you know, you must actually, you must get better. You must sharpen. Iron sharpens iron. Amen. So inheritance is not only material in nature, but it's also genetic. You represent the shadow of the father on the earth and the word likeness actually means the flow of blood. In the ancient Hebrew, it was, uh, uh, when we look at the, the Hebrew language, when you look at ancient Hebrew, it wasn't written with words. It was written with pictures. So they would use a picture that would represent the flow of blood. So when God says, I've made you in my likeness, it's a flow of blood. Now, when the Bible speaks about blood, it says that the life is in the blood. So when the life is in the blood, God is not only making you the, sh- the shadow of the substance, He's also allowing His life source to flow through you. Amen? This is what made Adam different to the animals, Adam different to anyone else. You know what the world wants to do? The world wants to tie you back to the animal. Because the world wants to take out of you what God put in you. I'm going to say it again. What the world wants to do is, you are the substance of the shadow What the world wants to do is the world wants to tie you to an animal instead of tying you to the father. The moment you disconnect from the father, your identity is lost. So the world, what they're trying to do is say you came from a monkey. You didn't come from the hand of the Lord. You didn't come from the father. You didn't come from his breath. Because then all you did was you, there was evolution that progressed to the point where you came from something else. You see what the world is trying to do in as much. If you don't understand the bigger picture, you will just assume that all they're they're doing is misunderstanding. No, they're not. The enemy is trying to disconnect you from the life source so that you lose your identity. That's really what the fight is about. Amen. So when we begin to walk in step with the Father, when what He does, we reflect, we begin to fulfill the prayer of the Lord. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Another key is that we get to choose what value we are in service and in inheritance to the Father. We get to choose what value we are in service and inheritance to the Father. Okay, just follow with me. 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 to 21. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Here's the key. In the house of the father, he's got instruments and cups. He's got sauces. He's got spoons. He's got different instruments used for different purposes. You get to choose the kind of vessel you want to be. You either choose to be the the, the vessel that gets used daily. We call that a common vessel. Or you get to be used as a special vessel. Now, guess what? There's certain things that your mother used. I don't know if you're aware of this. 
but you didn't really get to eat out of those, those china plates. You, you didn't really get to benefit from that because that was, they gave you the common plates, the common cups. My boys, my boys, don't, my boys don't get the expensive glasses that my wife and I drink out of because they will break them. They will know how to use them and how to treat them. We give them plastic cups. The value of the plastic cup is nothing in comparison to what we paid for those glasses. So what happens is, there's that for common use and that for special use. In the father's house, the father will look at Moses and say, this is a special cup. This is the cup I want to use for a special occasion. There's a purpose tied to the instrument. Amen? Mm -hmm. So now, the father says, in the house, I don't determine which cup, which saucer, which, which spoon is special. You determine it. So it's not predetermined by the Father to say, Kurt will be special, uh, Godfrey won't be special, Angie uh, will be special. The Father doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. The Father says, the choices you make and the obedience you walk will determine your value. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? So what I love about that, it's, it's not because he grew up in the right area not because his dad was an apostle it's not because no it's because what did you do with the opportunity i gave you what are you doing with the gifting i put on the inside of you the ability even your personality was handcrafted by the father amen so you get to choose the kind of vessel you would want to be what's the key to be a vessel of honor in comparison to a vessel of dishonor Paul tells us in, in, in his letter to Timothy, he gives us two keys. The first key is cleanse yourself from the latter, he says. What is the latter? You need to look at the context of the verse. You need to read a little bit further above. And he's talking about cleanse yourself in, in specifically here of godless chatter and false teaching. Really what it means, it's sin. Cleanse yourself from sin. That's the bottom line. We can define it into different areas. What you speak with your mouth. And, and, and even when, we, when it comes to truth, it also comes out of your mouth. Really, the Bible says in James that uh, if you can control this member, you can control your whole body. Yeah. So, in other words, control the member that can control the whole body and everything else falls into place. Stop this member from sin and you can stop any member from sin. Amen. And then the second key I see in Timothy is this. <laughs> in order for you to be for special purpose, you need to be prepared for every good work. That's the, the end of that verse. It says, you need to be useful to the master and prepare to do any good work. So you need to cleanse yourself. Make sure you clean. You know what's very embarrassing? When you, when, you know, your mom says, listen, we've got a, a, a this is a dignified guest. We, this, is, this, is, this is where the special stuff comes out. And as you bring it out, you're excited. You're the kid. You want to go fetch the china in the cupboard that no one gets to use. But you, then you didn't realize, but your mom saw that as you brought the plate, as you brought the cup, as you brought the saucer, guess what happened? It was full of dust. So sometimes some people are prepared, but they are not clean. Some people are ready to be used by God, but they are not clean. So they're ready. So the gift brings them before great men, but the character to sustain their position is lacking. Amen. And then some people are clean, but they're not prepared. So what kind of vessel are you? Are you clean and prepared or are you one or are you either or? You need to be clean and you need to be prepared. Amen. So that's what I see in Timothy. I see how we, you know, we get to determine the kind of instrument, the kind of vessel we want to be. The Bible says 
What Paul wrote to Timothy as well, he says, be ready in and out of season. Be ready in and out of season. You need to be ready. You need to be clean and you need to be prepared. You never know when the opportunity comes. You know, if you don't prepare yourself, you see, everybody thinks the opportunity will come and they'll tell you three months in advance. Many times when the opportunity knocks, it's when they call you that morning and they say, listen, can you be here at 12? If you are not prepared, if you don't have a word in in your heart, you know, when you want to witness to that guy at work, it's not at the time when you were the most prepared, when you fasted and you prayed and you were on your knees that morning for, the, for three hours from three to six. And then you got done for work and you came to work and he said, hey, man, I just want to hear about Jesus. Oh, yes, I'm so prepared. Yeah. It happens on the day yeah. when you, you kick the cat, you fought with your mother, you ended up, you know, you, you, you got a fine on the way to work. And as you get there, guess what happens? Somebody, somebody now looks to you and says, hey, man. You can see they need the gospel. It's not necessarily in perfect timing and everything falling into its place, but you need to be prepared. Amen. So when it comes to inheritance, Deuteronomy 4 verse 20. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you are now. So what we realize, what we recognize is that when God called these people, the Israelites, as his inheritance here to take them out of bondage. So one of the keys in possessing your inheritance in the Lord, and one of the keys in being a good inheritance to the Lord, is that you need to break every bondage. There's no room for stuff in your life. There's no room for secrets. There's no room for hidden agendas. There's no room for sin behind closed doors. Amen? God took Israel out of Egypt. Egypt speaks about bondage. To become his people, to become his inheritance. You must be taken out of bondage. Somebody say out of sin. Out of sin. And become God's slave. Listen to Romans 6 verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin. This is where most of us were. But I pray that this is not where most of us are which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness. Amen. So you determine, what do you want out of life? What do you want to be in life? And in order to be a great inheritance, and in order to receive a great inheritance, guess what you need to do? You need to get out of bondage. Your service and inheritance value is not predetermined, as I said earlier. Your value is determined by two things. Number one, the choices you make, Bible says, I said before your life and death, what? Choose life. Amen. And your obedience to the master. The choices you make. Sometimes you make choices. And you have to choose which way are you going to go? Are you going to go the way of death? Are you going to go the way of life? And there are times when God gives you a specific instruction. And the way you comply with that, the way you obey that, the way you walk with that, will determine if you are really obedient to him or not. Our ability, this is very important, our ability to walk in holiness and to walk in obedience is not tied to what we can do in our own strength. I'm going to say that again. Our ability to walk in holiness and in obedience is not tied to what we can do in our own strength. It is tied in how well we can rest or abide in Him. So if you learn how to rest in Him, to abide in Him, all He says in John 15 to us is do what? Stay connected. Abide. Live there. Don't leave that place. 
When you live in the place of dwelling in Him, abiding in Him, staying connected to Him, you will just have the life source flow through you. This is the image that Adam was made in. Amen. If you just live out of the image you were made, staying connected to the Father, the life source flows through you. You don't see grapes struggling to be a grape. I just hope that everyone recognizes me as a grape. I just hope that I can be the best grape that I can be. Lord, I need a seed in this grape. I'm going to multiply. So, so you don't have to worry that grape is not striving to be a grape. He's resting in the vine that he's connected to. He's connected. He's connected. And because he's connected, he's flourishing. Because he's connected, he's not a raisin. Amen. <laughs> How many Christians are raisins because they are striving? Okay, let me ask you a question, a simple question. Who of you have tried to be holy? Yeah. It is very hard. Yeah. So difficult. It's hard. You cannot think one thought wrong. <laughs> one thought out the window. That's where this grace You cannot say one word wrong. Gossip wrong. You, you, it's, it's unholy. Uh, uh, you, you said a foul word wrong. It's unholy. You've put something that you shouldn't have done. You've overindulged. Oh, even worse. It's like you tried your best to be holy, but guess what? It's like you just can't do it. But when you learn how to rest in Him, the Bible says, how do you, so how do we do this? When we abide in Him, when we rest in Him, now what do we do? We walk by the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I'm not striving to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm resting in Him and I'm walking by the Spirit. Did you notice that the Bible never said run by the Spirit? <laughs> you don't have to strive. It's a walking by the Spirit. It's just, you know how nice it is to walk. You know when you're walking, most times if you're fit enough, you're not really huffing and puffing. Marilise, when I run past your house, <laughs> I'm huffing and puffing, I'm wet. I'm straining, I'm striving because I'm trying my best. I'm pushing my body saying stop, but I'm trying my best to, to, to do that. But you know, when I walk with my wife and my wife says, hey, let's just take a walk. And you know how nice it is to walk past? My, the reason why I speak about Marilisa's house is because her house is on the hill. So when I get on the hill, sometimes I, there's a bus stop there and sometimes I just act like I'm stretching my legs, but I'm resting. So if I just learn to rest, as I walk the hill of life, guess what would happen? I wouldn't be huffing and puffing. I wouldn't be sweating. I wouldn't be striving and straining. I would just learn to rest in Him and then the walking becomes easy. It's so easy to walk up that hill. But when I try and run up the hill, strive up the hill, strain up the hill, it's hard. Amen? So remember your choices and remember it's obedience that will determine your value to the Master. You determine the value of God's inheritance. What a responsibility. God has given us, He's prepared so much for us. Jesus said this, He said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So your inheritance is incredible. You know that if you take away the mansion, if you take away the pearly gate, if you take away the, the golden streets, if you take away the incredible food and fruit and everything, God loves eating and laughing and enjoying life. If you take all of that away, and you just give me the Father, it's more than enough. So my greatest inheritance is God Himself. That's the greatest inheritance you can do. And guess what He does to ensure that you know what your inheritance is in the future? He gives you a guarantee. When you go to macro, and they give you a guarantee, don't throw the box away. <laughs> so what happens now, 
is that there's something that you have. They say, uh, keep your proof of receipt. Keep your slip. It's your guarantee. If you don't have it, we don't have any proof you got it at macro. Yeah. So what does the father do? He says, listen, I'm your inheritance when you come. And then he says to you, but I'm going to give you a guarantee so that you know what your inheritance is. So he says, I'm going to give you my spirit. So the father, who's the substance, gives you as the shadow of himself again to reaffirm what is prepared for you. To reaffirm where you're going and to reaffirm what you have in him. Amen. Mm. So don't try and strive in it. Just begin to rest in it. If our inheritance, if, if, if the father's inheritance is determined by, by what we get to give him, then I want to ask you, what are you doing with the choices you're making? Are we treating our choices, our day-to-day choices? Do we just begin to go through life and allow the, you know, like the waves to toss you to and fro and then you become unstable and, and you cannot expect to receive anything from the Lord in that position? Or do you realize the weight of every decision you need to make and that you begin to rest in Him? You know that you hear His voice because you are a sheep following the great shepherd and you just begin to walk with Him and you're in step with Him and when His hand lifts, you lift. When his hand uh, releases, you release. When his hand opens, you open. When his hand closes, you close. And you just walk beautifully with him so that in the end, everything that is, that is his becomes yours. The same measure that you use is the measure that will be given to you. Amen? The father places such a high value on you that he now sends his son that he says, I'm going to pay the greatest price to show you how important you are to me. And I'm going to give you of myself. I'm going to give you my spirit so that you can know your value. So you can never question how valuable you are. But you do determine the value of God's inheritance. And you do determine what kind of instrument you get to be in the kingdom. One of honor or one of dishonor. Both gets to go to heaven. See, the question is not about heaven. If it was about heaven, it wouldn't have been. It's about, do you get in or don't you get in? So many people are just happy to cross the line to get in. That they forget that they need to become vessels of honor instead of vessels of dishonor. Amen? So don't just live to get into heaven. That's the easy part because you didn't have to do anything. For some people, it's actually the hardest part because to tell them all they have to do is come by faith and receive freely what the Father has given. No, man, it can't be. Maybe I must pray five times a day in order to get it. Maybe I must first do these classes and jump through those hoops. Maybe I must do this. You see what the problem with that is? I have to do something. And that's what we want to do. It's our human nature. What must I do? What's in it for me? When the Father says, you know what? I'm going to do it for you. And you just have to rest in me. Receive from me. But freely as you have received in that way you give. So then what you've received from the Father, you get to give to others. And you get to say, hey, God has given me this and that. And I want to share this with you. That's how we share life. So the life source flows in us and through us to others. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 18. I'm closing with this. Because I really want to show you what I'm talking about in terms of you being God's inheritance. And many times I misread this verse. I, I, I misread it in, in such incredible ways. But when I saw the psalm I shared with you initially, Psalm 28 verse 9, I began to realize, and this was what started my journey on discovery, that I am actually God's inheritance. Ephesians 1.18. 
It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. Somebody just say, Father, I want to know what is the hope of my calling. And then it says, What are the riches of the glory, the weightiness of His inheritance in the saints? Did you notice whose inheritance it was? I'm going to read it again. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? You know that I used to misquote this verse. And I would talk about the inheritance of the saints. When it was His inheritance in the saints. So what I want you to see here, what I want you to recognize, that it's not only about your inheritance. Yes, there is, there is something in it for you. But so much so that what the Father has done is so that you could give Him an inheritance. Amen. The choices you make, your obedience, every step, everything you do every day, it becomes a part of what the Father receives as His inheritance from you. When, whenever somebody receives an inheritance, the person who gives it is the one who determines the value. Remember I told you, if it's between me and Bill Gates, choose Bill Gates. <laughs> So what I'm saying here is the value of what the Father receives is determined by you. What the Father is, is, is going to receive, it's determined by you. You are a part of His inheritance. Amen. Okay, let me, let me, let me share with you in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. In Him you also trusted, after you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of what? Of our inheritance. Do you see how everything is tied up in inheritance? Once you begin to unpack and understand inheritance, it, it, everything it starts, you know when you, when you begin to say, I want to go buy a pink beetle. What do you see on the roads? You've never seen pink beetles driven on the road before. Until you said, I'm just, I'm really interested in buying a pink beetle. Then you see them. Amen. When I started looking for a car, I, I remember, you know, the car I was looking at everywhere I drove. I saw them. And I, it's just like your eyes be, become open to what you're looking for. Amen. So in the same way in the word, when God begins to reveal an aspect uh, within the word and that begins to be broken open to you, guess what happens? You begin to see it everywhere. So I'm beginning to see that when God gave us the Holy Spirit, He was telling us, this is a guarantee to tell you what's to come. It's a guarantee of your inheritance. It's a guarantee that I've prepared so much for you that I'm willing to give you this, my spirit. Amen? Even Zoe is, is in awe. I just want to show you something as, I, as we draw this to a close. And I want to show you um, the prayer that Moses prayed. Moses walked a journey of missing out of an inheritance on this earth. So you've got certain inheritances that you will receive now and that which you will receive in the age to come. That's what I was starting off this message with. Now Moses is coming to the point of where they're about to step into it. God said you will not, you will not enter. Yeah. Amen. So he prepared everybody to enter, but because of, of what the people did, an entire generation had to die and God said their children will enter. And then Moses, because he never spoke as God instructed, he struck. God said, no, you will not be able to enter either. God is very particular. Amen? Didn't, he didn't say you can't come into heaven. But he said to him, you cannot possess what was yours. 
Your name was signed on the dotted line, but it's no longer yours. So look at what happens. Moses bowed down to the ground. He's now, he's the people, everybody that journeyed, and God is saying, you're going to come and possess this, this territory, this promise, this inheritance. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, somebody say stubborn. Forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. You begin to see this everywhere in scripture. You begin to understand that we are his inheritance. The children of Israel weren't just God's chosen people. They became his, guess what? Inheritance. So now take us as your inheritance. So now we need to pray this. Pray this with me. Say, Father, I know I'm often stiff-necked. Forgive me of my wickedness and my sin. And take me as your inheritance. That's what Moses prayed. Moses messed up. At times, he, he didn't do what God wanted him to do. You know what I like about Moses? He's, he shows you what an intercessor looks like. Because Moses, most times, he was the one in God's presence. He was the one welcomed by God. He was the one where God said, let me kill the people, then I'll start something new with you. But Moses shows us what an intercessor looks like. An intercessor is not happy with being the only one that's blessed. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. Moses shows us what, the, what an intercessor looks like. Some people are happy. I don't care what happens to anyone else, Lord, just bless me. <laughs> so what, what we see is that God, what God wants us to do and wants us to be, is He doesn't just want us to be positioned to be blessed, but Lord, what about everybody else? That's why when you really read it in the, in the verse, it says, although this is a stiff-necked people, what does Moses pray? He says, forgive our wickedness and our sin. He's not just interested in himself. He's interested in what the people have. He's interested in what the people will receive and what they won't receive and what they'll miss out on. Then the Lord said this. This was God's response when Moses prayed this prayer. This was God's response when Moses recognized that the people became God's inheritance. This is what God says. He says, I am going to make a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. When you become God's inheritance, He begins to do incredible things for you. He begins to do miracles on your behalf. He begins to do awesome works and wonders on your behalf. That is verse 10. Amen. I just want to show you something, how how closely rest and inheritance are tied together. You need to see that something begins to happen. As I began to study this, I began to see that rest and inheritance comes together. That's why I was talking to you about abiding in Him. When you learn to abide in Him, it's like everything else flows out of that. Deuteronomy 12 verse 9 and verse 10. Since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you. This was now before they stepped into promise. Your promise is your inheritance. You must understand. Then he says, but you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land. Somebody say promise. When you settle in the land, the Lord your God is giving you as what? An inheritance. Then he says, and he will give you rest. When you step into the promise that God has for you, a rest comes with it. Now I want to ask you a question. Think about your life. Where are you striving and straining? And then we need to ask the Father, Lord, am I striving and straining because I'm walking in and trying to possess somebody else's inheritance? Am I striving and straining because I've made poor choices? 
because I've walked in disobedience? Or am I stepping into my inheritance so that I can, so that you can give me rest from all my enemies and that I can live in safety? You notice that when they possess the promise, when they possess the inheritance, what, what we see, the key there is that they got rest from the enemies and they lived in safety. There was no striving, there was no straining, there was just resting. Amen? Where was that? That is Deuteronomy 12, 9 and 10. So I just want you to think about that. As we go home tonight, I want you to think, Lord, where am I striving? Where am I straining? Stop. Not everything. You know, we, we misquote, uh, I think it's Joshua 1 verse 8. Uh, Joshua 1 verse 8 says, uh, Every place where your foot shall tread, that ground is yours to take. So people are walking all over the show. Some people even started walking and running because they're hoping... Why? Because they're hoping now everywhere I walk, Lord. Some people are walking in the grove as if they're going to possess. Some people are walking into Edgar's. Lord, it's for sale. And I've been walking the past. So don't misquote it because God gave a specific instruction to Joshua. Why? Because he was going to step into the possession of his inheritance. When you walk into the inheritance of another man, it's not yours to possess. You will strive and strain to, to have it. But when that man walks in his inheritance, he rests. When you walk in, in another man's inheritance, you will strive and strain. It will be difficult. But when you step into what is yours, you will rest, you will be safe, and there will be peace. Amen? So think about it. Where am I striving? Where am I straining? Lord, is that my inheritance? Is it a season where I have to slay some Goliaths? Is it a season where I have to fight some battles? And that's okay. We see that. But if I'm striving and straining and I recognize that maybe I'm stepping into what is not mine, I'm trying to possess what is not mine, and I've misapplied God's word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you tonight that, Lord, as you minister to us, we just pray, Father, that what is of you would flourish, that would just begin to overflow in our lives. Father, we pray that uh, your word would just become evident in our lives. That when people look at us, they will know that there's something different because of your word. Your word will separate us. You separate the wheat from the chaff, Lord. So we thank you, Father, that we will be counted as the wheat of the kingdom. We will be counted as the honored vessels in your house. In Jesus' mighty name, may we possess our inheritance in this age and in the age to come. In your mighty name we pray and we all shout it. Amen. 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 Be blessed.